Okay, so before we start, uh, I just wanted to make the announcement that um, Thaddeus Russell is coming to Parallax to have a wonderful course on, an interesting course on Gaza, on the war in Gaza, Israel, Palestine. Is it going to be and interesting I, or wonderful? Both, I hope. <laughs> okay. Um, wonderfully interesting. Um, um, and it's it's the uh, 25th of uh, November that will be in 10 days, more or less. And it's great because, I mean, I'm an uh, absolute idiot. I'm not, I'm neither a politician nor a historian. And so I'm just, we had like the last two podcasts um, on the topic of, you know, the war. But to have a, you know, an actual professional historian come come to Parallax to talk about this and to educate us, that's... Uh, mm -hmm. That's something um, which is good, even if it, even if it doesn't reflect my personal opinions. I think my personal opinions are kind of biased and um, short-sighted because I, I never went. You there. had to have that caveat in in case somebody comes and attacks you for your personal opinions. It's very convenient to be an idiot. It is actually yes, because then you can don't have to stand behind any of your <laughs> your, your positions. <laughs> right. oh, well, I mean, to be a, you know, it's like, you know, that I'm uh, what I think about comedians, you know, and mm -hmm. so they have the freedom to express whatever they want to express without ever being responsible or culpable for it. So exactly. uh, since we are working on our comedic chops here, I think um, we're on the right track, inviting uh -huh. real folks to the to the to the show no yeah but you know sometimes highly intelligent uh you know uh very well informed uh you know people with university degrees are also idiots and, and really dumb people are incredibly you know insightful sure but so you can feel okay about that tom i'm just no, trying no, to no, make I... you feel better because you said you were you know no sure but i mean my uh, 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 what is it called? The resolution that yeah. I have, with which I can look at the Gaza problem. That's like very shallow, really. Uh, yeah, gotcha. you know. And so to have to have a historian who really is able to, you know, look at all the different arguments and look at the history and and to make this course. And so I'm very proud that he's coming to Parallax, and and uh, hopefully that will be a great great session so but we don't talk about politics today we're doing movies, movies right yeah exactly right. Movies. so because you watched the killer recently mm -hmm. right and yeah. because i i thought that would be uh, that we start with this because that's the more fresh one it's, uh so so what do you think about david fincher's the killer sure well who is the killer? Well, I mean, maybe we'll have to talk about Israel and Hamas again if we talk about the killer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I know you don't want to be political here. No. I'm sort of teasing, but but there's a way in which the killer is the is the is is the nihilist, uh, you know, from the West who's who's lost his religion, he's lost God, he's lost every sense of meaning. So what else is he gonna do? But enjoy himself and kill people you know enjoyment pleasure that's what matters mm. and if one person wants to kill people you know and that's why shouldn't they that is not a comment that has much to do with the film but it doesn't it doesn't 
Hmm. So I watched it twice. Twice? Yes. Okay. You liked it that much? No, I yeah. didn't like it at all. And I, the, sec the first time I watched it in the cinema and the second time I watched it on Netflix because I was thinking, oh, maybe I, you know, I missed something. Hmm. Because, I mean, it's a David Fincher movie and David Fincher is basically at the apex of American directors. And I was like, I, I was like, what the fuck? What the shit is that? What kind oh, of shit? so you had high expectations. Yeah, I mean, he made like he made Gone Girl and he made Fight Club and he made Zodiac and he made all these great movies that mm -hmm. have layers and layers of of storytelling and complexity and and very stylish everything and then you're confronted with a story that has been told 500 times already mm. and i was like and i was what why why did he why does a person like a director like david fincher choose a project like this yeah um, I, I, it's a good question i guess he's i guess it's genre right so he's just trying to He's trying to, he's making a gamble of like, if you do the best genre movie ever, then, then you, you know, you kind of win, you win the award, you, you're the coolest, you know, but, but again, I, I agree that this movie kind of failed to, to be that somehow. And I don't, I don't normally, even know why, because it was very stylish, you know, and it was very, uh, like the acting was good and Tilda Swinton was good and, and all the sets were, were pretty awesome. But yeah, but there was something extremely hollow about about the movie. I mean, if even if you do a new genre piece with the intent to make like the best ones, you, know, you add something new, a new element to the movie. It's it, you're not, not just repeating what everybody else has done since French cinema and Alain Delon, you know, in the 50s, 60s being a ice cold killer and something goes wrong and then he kills all the people that want revenge and that's the end of the movie that's a movie from the 50s or 60s and so if you mm -hmm. want to do that again you have to add an extra layer to it and normally fincher is famous for adding unexpected layers to storytelling and but then you're confronted with that movie which is like has has no more layers than you know an old french killer movie with Alain Delon from the 60s it's yeah. like so and I agree and, and also the the big moment right the big line was like you know the, the reason like his reason why he did what he did he goes you know why I do what I do you know you know and, and it's because he says I don't give a fuck right uh it's not a good line and it's not believable and and, and then you just, in the later film he does give a fuck. He's he, he doesn't he's right. just ordinary. They make him ordinary, right? He's if he'd been a real a good psychopath, you'd have to you'd have to develop sympathy for him and then have that sympathy somehow um taken away. But they but you you know, or maybe not, but in any case, I think that I think that the line was unbelievable. I as, as a line for a for a yeah, yeah. cold hard killer he wouldn't a cold hard killer wouldn't would never say such a thing a cold hard killer you know has has a earnest belief in, in what they they're doing yeah and if he would be i mean you're right and if he would be like a true psychopath he wouldn't care about you know the loved ones that he's trying to you know uh 
help basically and take a wrench on you know because they got got, got assaulted or whatever yeah you know so um, yeah and so so th there's this thinking that you know one thought that i had was that it might be like a companion piece to zodiac have you seen zodiac mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. a long time ago yeah so yeah, it's a yeah. movie basically which revolves around the zodiac killer nobody catches him and so it's with mark ruffalo and and mm -hmm. what's, what's his name tony stark uh, no what's his name the uh, who played tony stark in the avengers you know the guy i don't know mm -hmm. um so and that was an, an awesome movie, and it revolved around a team of poli uh, you know, policemen and and journalists to to catch this killer, and you know you never you never saw him basically. And so for me, the movie The Killer was kind of like the accompanying puzzle piece thematically to Zodiac, because it just centered around this, you know, ice cold killer that is so methodical that nobody catches him. And it's just his personal view. And he's, I mean, you call him nihilistic. I, you know, I think his whole voiceover was very narcissistic. It's just me. I'm doing this. I'm doing this. You know, it's like, you have mm. to be precise. You have to breathe. It's not, it's like, and that was the big change. It's like, if you look at old killer movies, the voiceover that they use is, is um, in most cases, uh, 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 you know, uh, analysis of the culture they're living in. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not mm -hmm. you know me being the ice cold killer. You know, breathe and and be cool. That's that never happens in these movies from the seventies or eighties. It's always uh, you know an analysis, a class analysis, or something else. It's never about them. And so, but the killer played by Michael Fox. It's just everything is about him. And so, in the way that Zodiac is about. So all the time about something else the zodiac is you know the killer is exclusively about him mm -hmm. and so I, well maybe that, that is the commentary of the time that he's a he's a narcissist yeah and that right. is the nihilism of the time right uh, yeah you know this this sort of this narcissism who's you know even his sort of like cool house in in in, uh, in honduras or wherever it was or or mexico was was sort of like you know, kind of like, so what? You know, there's some, there's just nothing about the character that was a well. I actually, I like the fact that he did yoga. That was pretty good. That was a commentary. Like the fact that he was, he was like a, doing yoga before he was killing people. That was kind of interesting. Yeah. Like he was a health fanatic. But again, that's like, like I guess, I guess another way you would create a killer and make him interesting would be that he would be like like the people of the time and so um so there maybe there's a commentary there you know the, the health food guy from california who's actually a killer in other words the dark side of this you know nice guy or just ordinary health obsessed fanatic i don't know yeah, but the weird thing is, you know, his egotism actually stands in the way of him doing his job. And I mean, that could have been a comedic element because, I mean, he's so in his routine that his routine obstructs him to kill 
to kill his target if you remember that scene so you know he's in his thing and breathe and then and then he misses like a, a very easy shot basically and that sets the whole the whole movie in motion basically but and that that could be you know taken as a commentary that extreme narcissism you know puts you in a distance to the world and doesn't make you a functioning member of society but uh, or extreme conscientiousness or extreme efficiency like yeah, there's yeah, something yeah. wrong wrong with extreme efficiency right it, it, there's always you know something you know you you if you follow the the rules to uh strictly then then you're bound to something is bound to go go off go wrong yeah uh, yeah i mean how would you let's say let's say i guess it was it, it was pure genre right no i mean maybe he just did it as a, as a, as an exercise in, in pure genre but how would you rewrite it to make it i wonder to make it something no, I, I think more I, interesting? I, I mean i i think you know uh, if you add a comedic element you know that mm -hmm. could be interesting but you know to play it like that and so there was also this kind of thing and it is not my observation there's this bbc um reviewer that i really like mark kermode and he does like these bbc reviews on movies he's really good i don't know if you know him and he noticed that you know you have this five minute segment of tilda swinton coming in and tilda mm -hmm. swinton is always great right yeah. but more of half of the screen time that she has she tells a joke you know with the hunter and with the bear and then the hunter tries to shoot the bear bear and yeah. then he fails and comes again and then the bear says well maybe you come here for different reasons which would be being being getting molested by the bear and so but the whole thing and, and kermode notes that you know there there was just a movie out half a year ago with the same joke so you have basically oh. five minute screen time of Tilda Swinton rehashing a joke which was just told in another movie, right? And oh. so, so why why would you do that? Why would you waste a talent like Tilda Swinton to do that? You know, for and and I mean, she does not have a meaty role at all, and so it's very weird to to squander the, the these chances that you have hmm yeah i've noticed that about movies on netflix though sometimes there are two movies that are almost exactly the same they're just they just put and they put them out like six months apart and they have the same theme they picked some sort of theme you yeah. know like uh what was the one about the, the drug war or the you know the um you know the sales lady who was selling oxy or something like that so there was oh, yeah. there was yeah, a movie about yeah. that painkillers, and then there was a movie exactly the same uh, movie basically. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, maybe it was at, at, on Amazon or something, but they were the exact same movie. Yeah. So it's I, I don't know maybe it's maybe it's commercial interests just coming into 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 film. You would think a guy like David Fincher, Fincher would have more oversight or freedom or. Or whatever but well and that's a good point yeah it's a good point that um that it, there's this what when, when something is 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 lacking it's it's a rehash usually yeah i think when something is is lacking a, a certain artistic quality it's always because you know may, there's 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 a theme that's that's you know been overdone 
Yeah. And then I was thinking, you know, maybe there's something to it, what, you know, uh, Quentin Tarantino said, that there are so many directors that, you know, when they enter the the third trimester of their life, let's say, they're lacking their, the, the, the libido and the aggressiveness to, to do something new, which is the reason why mm -hmm. Tarantino himself uh, wants to quit doing movies after the next one. And so it's like, it, 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 it's, you know, the Fincher movie seems like an old, old man's movie without any verve, without any, without any, you know, new heart, you know, without a hard yeah. cock that's being shoved in your face, you know, metaphorically. It's like, oh no, I have this new thing. You know, it's like the, with the excitement of, you know, a director in the 30s or 40s or whatever. With the excitement of a big cock in your, in your face. Yes. That's what you're saying. Yes. Okay. <laughs> well, you know, as, as I always say, people have different, you know, you know, different uh, interests. And <laughs> <laughs> No, but you know what I mean. It's like people swing about, in different ways. You know, you, if you have if you have a product, you know, a book, or like you 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 create a movie or a song, mm -hmm. and and you're like you're so full of life force and eros and libido, you just have a hard cock. You know, it's like oh yeah, no, yeah, you got it, yeah. go with the world, and so this is this is a limp dick movie. That's what it is. It's a limp dick movie. I I would agree one hundred percent. Um, well, whereas I just watched an old, it wasn't that old. It was like 2008, a Clint Eastwood movie, uh, you know, Mystic River. What a great movie, man. That was yeah. such a good film. Yeah. And Clint's an old, he was an old man when he did that and he's still an old man. And so he's still got a hard cock, I guess. Right now he's 95. I don't know. Or 93. I don't know. I, I don't know. Uh, some, some 93 year olds are, you know, I, but anyway, I don't know what his last movie is. I forget. Do you know what his last movie was? Crime Metro. Was not very good. No, it wasn't good. Well, anyway, but so he was good up until eighty. So that that means, and also he, he was. He, I think he sort of improved over his career in a way. He got absolutely. He got deeper and and uh, and more emotionally deeper. Anyway, like he was never an intellectual filmmaker, but 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 in terms of of drama, you know, ugh, that was. Mystic River was an amazing movie. It was. Really? Uh, it was just. It was heartbreaking drama, which was tough, and and there was nothing, like it, everything was good about it. I thought in terms of cinema, it was like this is how you should do cinema. It might not be the most innovative movie ever made, but it was. But 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 everything was right about it. That's what yeah, I yeah. felt when I watched it from two thousand and seven. And I wonder if I've seen a film like that that I I, I felt like that in, in a little while. It might be that that the limp dickness is, is just pervasive of, of the entire industry, but I could be wrong. Like, I, I, you know, yeah. But again, it's like I think I, I I mentioned that already. I mean, this this quote of Tarantino that every every you know spectator in the cinema who looks at the silver screen has an inbuilt you know feeling if that which is depicted on the screen is right, you know, and so you have like an instinct. You know, uh, that the movie, if the movie and the theme and how it's filmed, if that, if it's done correctly and you have this feeling, this tingle when, when it goes off. And so he describes it very well. This, this, this feeling that goes off is something not right. And so mm -hmm. in Mystic River, it's like I have the same feeling, like everything, everything is right. Right. So it's like it's a, it's a good movie. It's like there's there's no error and there's no misstep. But, you know, I had this feeling with the killer from Fincher that from the beginning, there's something not right here. There's it's it's something is well, off. 
Well, I guess if the film is is a reflection of the director, maybe there's something off with 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 Fincher. And this is why I, I I'm sort of why why I got a nihilistic impression of the film uh, that it's. I mean, that was the script. That was he was the nihilist. He's like, I don't give, a, I don't believe in karma. I don't believe in. He even says that I don't believe in anything like that. It's all bullshit. Yeah. Even even though he's practicing yoga and he's using these things, so he's like. He, he's he's doing he doesn't believe in anything and, and i think the film doesn't believe in anything either it just believes in like like uh like style over substance or or uh f- you know form over meaning or, or something like that so so it's 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 th- i mean this is built into fincher's films but when you're you can have a hard cock and be a nihilist and be very convincing when you're young but I think during the later periods of your career, if you're just if you're still a if you're still a, a nihilist, then then you haven't found found God yet or something. Yeah, which sounds a little bit. Yeah, but I, it's like let me give. I mean, just an example of what what was wrong with that movie. So if you normally have a, a, a I call it a, a surveillance scene. So you have a killer, and imagine mm-hmm. the killer waits for his victim. You know, in a crowded city. So he's sitting in a car. And then, and then he follows his victim, you know, like there are thousands of people. And so it's kind of believable that the victim doesn't know that the killer is on his or her heels, basically, because it's a crowded place, right? And even if it's if it's a chase done by a car, it's believable that the victim doesn't feel that, you know, there's some somebody behind him or her, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But in this particular movie, there was a scene when uh, the killer is going to Florida, like the outskirts of Florida, there are just fields. And then he he looks for a guy to kill who lives in a, in a house. You know, it's, it's the only house in the field. And then he waits there in his car for a day. And so he sees that the guy comes out of the house, you know, goes back, drives away, and he just sits there in the car and and nobody sees him. It's like, that's not believable. If if I would have a house, if you know, like a farmhouse, and there for one hour, for one day, it's like a guy sitting in a car. Mm-hmm. For, for an, and so I was like, I, I would know that something is off, especially if I'm in the mafia or whatever. Yeah. Right. And yeah. so the whole thing is not believable. Oh, I didn't think about that, but uh, I thought that was part of the, I, th- I thought that was an intentional move, like to make it absurd, right? Because he's absurd and his life is absurd and everything's absurd. So let's just make it absurd. And that, but I guess that sort of fell flat. I think yeah. if you make something so un- unbelievable, it's kind of good. It works kind of in a stylized way. Right. Like, like it's like a commentary on, it's like that. It's like when, when, when it's like when the, the filmmaker is commenting on his own movie in the middle of m- middle of the film, I don't know what you call that as a, as a technique, but uh sure. A meta commentary, yes. Mm-hmm. It could be some. It could be some kind of meta, meta commentary, um, but uh, but but probably probably was too subtle or not subtle enough. Or I, I think there was a lot of moves in that movie like that, the word sort of pretentious yeah, but, but arty moves I, that didn't work. <laughs> you know. Yeah, but that's what I mean. It doesn't work. So imagine you're living in Fontainebleau. It's like a little. It's a little town, right? It's not big. But imagine you would come home from university. And there's a guy sitting in a car right next to your next to a door. And you think you go back and then it's like, okay, there's a guy. And then and then, and then you go shopping and the guy's still there. You know, and then it's like, you oh, might that's notice weird. Him, yeah. 
Yeah, and then and then and then you go out with your dog. You, I don't know if you have a dog, but let's assume you have a dog, and you take a yes. I have dog. a dog. I have a pug. And then His you, name you is then Walter. you go yeah, Walter, like Walter Benjamin. Yeah. Yeah, and so you 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 have a stroll. It's night at night at nine, and the guy sits still there and pretends not to be seen. And then you then you start to talk with your wife about that guy that's like in front of your house for eight hours now, you know. And then you go to to the university in the morning, and he's still there. And so then you know something is off. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It, yeah. And that's what I mean. That's like. Well, but this again, I thought that was sort of a bit. Well, the, the whole fight scene was sort of like, you know, he keeps getting the shit kicked out of him, and he's a skinny little guy, and he gets up, and then he ends up, you know, he, he ends up killing this this guy, and he should have been dead at least fifteen times before he ended, you know. So, yeah. you know, I thought that was sort of stylized, you know, kind of action, but um, but. Uh, And that was kind of interesting, that scene where he was fighting the big guy because it happened all in the dark. I thought that was kind of an interesting scene, just aesthetically. Aesthetically, um, it was good. Yeah, sure. Mm -hmm. I, I but but yeah. uh, again, there was a lot of good aesthetics in this film. So I think I think what it is 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 uh, is just aesthetics. This film and, and and you know, whereas if we're comparing it to Mystic River, that this is just you know, Clint Eastwood's not an arty guy. You know, he's just a Beaten potatoes <laughs> type, right? So, so there's not much aesthetics except it's New Jersey, and that that's New Jersey, and you know, so it wasn't stylized, but it had it had substance. I'm so not, often these style, often I like stylized films, but it, but it's hard to make a stylized film that has substance. If you have both, then you have a real winner. But this was all style and no substance. I'm I, I know what you want to say. I'm I, I'm not fully agreeing here because I mm -hmm. think. There's a there's a persona that Clint Eastwood projects, and then oh, yeah. you have and then you have uh, the artist behind it because he makes all of the music for all of his music by himself, you know. So it's like he, he he's a real artist, and mm, so I but see, yeah. he, mm -hmm. so but he has like this rough tough guy persona, Dirty Harry kind of thing that he projects projects through his movies. But I don't think that he particular is like that. I think he's like very sensitive as oh. far. What I've read, a very artistic kind of guy, sensitive, artistic, yes, but not overly trying to be cool. You know, right? He's not. He's not glossy. He's I mean, not... he's basically a Republican, right? He's not a pretentious, artsy New York avant-garde thing. He's just a. He's he's basically conservative. In his in his, he might be artistic, but he has a conservative quality. But I think the point you're making is like. He ha he creates a coherent cinematic universe, right? Uh huh. He doesn't just put things together, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. He doesn't. He doesn't do pastiche. He's not an all at all an, at all a, a postmodernist, right? Yeah. He's thoroughly modern, right? In his, I would say, in his um, cinema, you know, there's a there's an ethic there. In other words, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. There's a strong ethic. There's a there's a brotherhood, you know, thing that going on. There's there's meaning and ethic, right? Whereas in, in Fincher, it's it's sort of uh, it's sort of it's postmodern, right? In the good way because it's a creative like it's a creative uh, uh, description of nihilism, right? Or or something like that. 
but it, you know but it's it's not it's not meta modern either because there's no ethic in it. it it's just it's sort of it's sort of uh the death of god or something yeah i mean fincher is famous for doing postmodern movies i mean fight club is the yeah. apex of a postmodern movie you know so yeah. and highly influential but i mean again if if just a analysis or description of narcissism of or nihilism whatever you want to call it uh, is that what you're bringing to the table now that's is that is that the end of postmodern movies if a guy like fincher does that you know it's like is is there nothing more that that you have to offer well i don't think i don't i th i think the ethos itself is is hollow and leads to hollowness but in the hollowness in the beginning is is a good social critique like fight club was a very great social critique um whereas if it's just hollowness without this the real social critique i guess there's little moments of social critique in this film but you know you're not you're not there's not there's no again there's it's like all it's all it's 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 just a it's it's all um all all style and no no ethos no no ethics no no substance no you know yeah so 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 yes in a way it's cool but in a way it kind of falls flat and i hate movies like that i'd rather have movies that are uncool you know somehow even though i i guess i when watching it i i kind of like it was like it was like watchable like it was it was fairly watchable but i mean maybe um, i mean do you remember in the 90s you know when you know the 90s you know post pulp fiction when all these mm -hmm. kinds of postmodern movies came out that ha that had you know punch to it yeah and you would you would you would watch them and you and and your mind would be blown because something happened something very unexpected because you know the the narrative structure had changed the like way Uma Thurman with the needle or something like that that's what the, the in in uh in pulp was it pulp fiction you mean Kill Bill yeah on or, or, or I mean like no like, no pulp fiction the needle in her stomach it was like that was surprising it's like or, yeah, or John Travolta also... showing up like looking like a middle-aged fat guy he had like he had like he was like overweight it's like you don't see John Travolta being overweight yeah the little things like that that he put in which were just surprising is that what you yeah, mean but I, 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 yeah but i mean not just pulp fiction i mean like in the in the cloud in the in the aftermath of pulp fiction there were so many french and movies and american mm -hmm. movies that are kind of broke broke completely the mold of of modern of modern filmmaking i mean uh, do, ma many dog dog like and and irreversible and you know the gaspar gaspar noir and and french brutalism and all these kinds of kind of things where just like they had so such a punch to it you know because it's like oh there's something happening you know in in the sphere of of movie making and and the killer again as a postmodern movie it doesn't have any punch at all it's just like oh, yeah like this numbness that you have numbness yeah fast binder was just a wanker right who yeah yeah, a, yeah 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 mm -hmm. basically is a wanker you know he's basically a guy who just wanks you know so it's like even his killing technique it's all just like techniques like i do this and i do this here's my here's my recipe you know wank 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 yeah <laughs> yeah but not interesting yeah yeah 
um, not even exactly sexier or something, not even that. Just kind of, I guess he was kind of, yeah, there was a sexy quality to the guy, but I mean, he, as him as an actor, I think it's, it's like, okay, he's a good actor. He's kind of, but yeah. in that role, in that role, it's like, I, I think that's maybe that's what you're saying, like what you were saying about Tilda Swinton, she was kind of in the wrong role. Like this guy has has the energy to be that kind of actor in, in a different role in a different film and a different. Yeah, if she, uh, you know, what's what's this guy's name? You know, the guy who does all the Wes Anderson. If she does a Wes Anderson movie, she she shines. She's strong. She's like she has. Yeah. She adds punch to her role. You know. But I could almost imagine a similar style movie to this, with the same actors, but just. Yeah, as you say, there would be just with with the extra uh, uh, dimension of really creative humor, or and it would work. But but the flatness of it, yeah, which was I guess that's the intention, right? To be uh, to be hard boiled or something, or just just to be flat or to be like. Um, but uh, again, maybe that's maybe that this kind of film, this kind of hard boiled flat uh detective guy yeah he's 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 been he's been over overplayed as an archetype maybe he doesn't have any relevance anymore or something i don't know i mean it's a question it's like i think you if you if you uh if if cinema really transforms and goes full-blown into a post postmodern uh or metamodern kind of thing then you know you can have a topic like this um, and and make something new out of it, but this this is just you know hollow. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Are you still there? I, and I still don't find that there's there's anything. I'm not hearing you. Give, give me a second. There's something going on. Something wrong with, with your sound. microphone. Right. Go ahead. I was just saying that um, whatever this post postmodern thing is, I don't know. I don't know if that's the answer either. I, I don't know. I, I'm. I don't know what the answer is. To, to, no, but to I art. mean, it's like to art have... in, the, in this time. That's a good question because something new. Okay, what you know? Do we need like I know there's novelty is important, but okay, here's something that I that I that I uh, that I was reading. I was revisiting Gerard recently. Mm -hmm. Right. And Gerard's theory is basically that Christianity created realism. Uh, in the sense that, you know, th it was the story told from the point of view of the victim instead of from the hero. And this is the first time in the history the story was told from the point of view of the victim, the innocent victim, which was Jesus, you know, Christianity. And this led to modernity and, you know, modern, you know, led to uh, led to sort of the end of uh, mythological religion, like the end of mythological religion and the beginning of sort of modernity and science. And, and, and he talked about it's a very interesting theory because he said this brought in the, the modern world and the modern world is based on, you know, the modern Western world is based on um, love, truth and, and novelty. Except love is very ambivalent because love very quickly turns into pseudo eros or, or bullshit or, you know, kind of like a, a institutionalized, it gets institutionalized and you're supposed to behave with compassion and love. So there's this intense ambivalence, right? With, with, in this, in this world where you don't have mythological superstructure, you don't have hierarchy, you don't know where you are in the world, you know, on some level. 
Uh, so, so the love becomes institutionalized and corrupt, and and then truth also becomes the pseudo truth, right? Just, just uh, materialistic truth or scientific truth or uh, this kind of pseudo truth. And there's an intense ambivalence around truth, even though we all believe in truth. Like these are all good additions, but they're all extremely ambivalent. And the last thing, innovation, right? Because you no longer have these strict tribal rules in your society of, of behaviors and, and laws, you know, and in such an intense and intractable way, suddenly, okay, it, suddenly you're in this ambivalent thing where you're supposed to be creating something new all the time. But but uh, but but it's it's sort of bullshit. You're, you've lost your 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 lineage, or you've lost your connection to, you know, the depth of of, of history, uh, and you're just creating this novel, this empty novelty, like you find in contemporary art a lot of the time. Yeah. So so there's this ambivalence always. So this is kind of what I'm feeling when I'm like, okay, so we got to find this new post most modern thing, and I'm kind of, I feel ambivalent toward that. It's like. Um, I feel ambivalent towards this idea of, of novelty, like why it has to be novel. I think it's almost better to, to, to do something old and do it right. Go back to silent films I mean, make a good silent film. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, um, how I can do this because, um, how do I do this? I wanted to show you something. Um, maybe I can maybe i can do it here because the original archetypes are always stronger so every time you try to re repeat the same archetype you're just doing why do you hear that a little bit. do you hear that oh the new beatles song is that what you're no, no 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 listen to it listen closely I want to know what you think about this. I'm the trouble star I know that voice. Of course you know that voice. I'm the fair It's not Nick Cave, is it? No. It's not Jim Morrison, is it? Is it, is it an AI bot of Jim Morrison? Yes. Ah. It's a song from Prodigy, Firestarter. Run through an AI. To try to sound like Jim Morrison. Sounds like Jim Morrison. Hmm. Really good. I'm the game you tasted. Well, intoxicated. Hmm. Hmm. Insane, isn't it? It is insane. I don't. I just don't know what to say or think about all that. Just like I don't understand it. I mean, and so it's like I. I just found that I found that recently. I was like I was shocked because of the quality, basically. And give me just just mm -hmm. another example, just short. Do you hear that? You're just like an angel. You're so precious. Uh, you're so fucking precious. Yeah, I'm a creep. That's uh, that's that's radio. And so it's Frank Sinatra doing Radiohead. And I'm beautiful. 
And it's an AI? It's also an AI, yes. I can kind of feel that that a little bit yeah. more that that's an AI. Slightly. Slightly, I can feel slightly more AI in that. Yeah. Yeah. A anyhow, so because of novelty, you know, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I found that very interesting because it's like, maybe maybe it's because of my age and maybe I'm so primed for, you know, grunge in the 90s era and, you know, the, the times before. But it's it's uh, it's like this vagueness, this in-betweenness. You know it's fake, but it's still Jim Morrison's voice and that makes something. It's, it's very weird. It's a very it's weird. A weird feeling, isn't it? I always feel that with AI images. I feel kind of sick when I look at them. Yeah. I don't know if you, you do. You, do, you, do you know what I mean? With with artificial intelligence, like they're really beautiful. Sometimes you put something through and it's a reference to something else. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I like, whoa, it's beautiful, but it's so ugly at the same time. Yeah. It, it, it almost makes me sick to my stomach. And I wonder what what that is. Yeah, or, or, or sometimes I have the opposite, where I have yeah, I know that it's uh, that it's that it's artificial, but it touches me anyhow because it's 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 so perfect, it's so right. Yeah, yeah, it's oh you know? yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's true. That's, also, that's, that's that's such a weird headspace to be in. It's a weird headspace. Like I I, I wrote the phrase in between worlds, right? Uh, yeah. You know and I created an AI image and I put it on one of our last newsletters. I don't know if you saw that, but that's, that felt, I looked at that and I thought, wow, that's beautiful. It captures the emotion of being in between worlds, you know? Yeah. How did it do that? It's like magic. Like it, it captured, it, it actually captured the emotion. And like, it was one picture out of like 10 I tried and most of them look kind of distorted and weird and bizarre and, and off. And there's this one that was like, ooh, there's something true in that image. But so yeah. so the, the interesting difference is we don't create the image, the machine creates the image, but we are we are we are the um we are we are the ones who we're the creators. We're not the artists anymore. You say, oh that that's a good one. So it's dis our discrimination which which uh which is at work rather than our rather than creating something our you know, you know that's yeah, kind of an that's that's so we're the we become more creative curators of of image and and text and everything else than we are are of become actual authors there was you know a couple of years ago there was a viral video going on you know in in, in reaction to you know postmodernism and you know uh, post postmodernism it's called something like it was called something like everything is a mashup and so it, it looked the, the 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 video it was like a 90 minutes you know art project looked you know at uh, the way we re produce and reproduce art and that that a very um very aspect of art that it's always a reproduction you know there's never you know it's like if you and if, if you talk about yeah, exactly if we talk 
if we talk about the killer in Fincher, it's like that's a reproduction. It is yeah. itself. It's also a product, but it's a rep it's it's in a line of of movies that do exactly the same. It's like going back to to the very beginnings of you know uh, crime novels and whatnot, and crime movies and Alain Delon. It's like it's a reproduction, and then yes. you have, and then it's it's and so everything is a mashup, and then you have. You know, we are the, the generations for whom it is very weird to listen to a song like an AI song from Frank Sinatra or or or, or Jim Morrison, where it's just it's it's just like in between. But imagine going forth like two three generations, and I think maybe maybe that will be normal for these people that they do this. You know, they have a complete new understanding of mashing up. You know, Kurt Cobain mm -hmm. doing doing some. You know. Uh, opera thing or whatever it's like that's you know it's just weird for us now you know it, yeah it, it's well it's also the fact that you know uh it wasn't until like the the 19th century romanticism where we even had the idea that we would create we're supposed to have our unique expression right right uh that never existed before i mean i get you would just copy and copy and copy and copy and copy and that's how you did art uh, in a way, you know, and if you had something you, like the great artists, uh, you know, of the, the, you know, early artists, they, they ascribed God as the author, you know, um, right. not, not themselves. And then humanism sort of came in and, and we started to see things from sort of a human, humanocentric uh, perspective. And then that broke down again with cubism and, and all that, whereas, there is no such thing as a humanocentric perspective. Everything breaks down, and then you have this kaleidoscope and 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 collage, and and then that breaks down into just noise um, uh, on some level. And then, so what do you do after when you get to the point of extreme saturation or noise? That that that's very interesting. Like, what do you do now? And that, so now they're going back and finding the old uh, in the, the reproducing old thing the the ai is reproducing old images to make new images um so no. so that's that is almost there's something about that is like that's like reproducing um images which is how you used to be you used to learn things um it comes bugs back also to mimeticism like gerard's theory again of reproduction is that we are mimetic creatures we learn by copying that's how we learn that's how that's we're intensely mimetic creatures way more than any other creature right so so our intense copying mimeticism is now being you know uh is is now being done with with uh, with 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 ai that's that's what like we're in a very odd territory i think very strange yeah, but it's like the you know it's it's only different in you know in content, not by structure. I mean, like if you look at how I've read that somehow somewhere, like if you look at the influences that made up, you know, the elements that made up Cubism from 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 uh, from Picasso. So there, there is like this old uh, tribe, African tribe, you know, way of doing masks and depictions, and so he brought mm -hmm. that. In. And so he met, it's, it's, not, it's not a complete, you know, the elements were already there. He just put them together, right? And made the new and, and, and created this new way of, 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 of painting, let's say. Yeah, but and at the end of his life, he said, I just learned to paint like a child. 
Yeah, but the elements of Cubism, you know, it's like the, the way of how the perspective changes, that was already there. And he just, you know, and it's it's like oh, in principle, mm. it's the same with, with AI music. It's just like the elements are there. Just put them together in a new and novel way. And it's just weird for us as it must have been for the people who were first exposed to to Picasso's Cubism. It's like, oh no, mm. that's that's weird. You know, now Yeah, we or think... even even like sampling on records, you know, when that came yeah. out, I thought, oh God, they're just stealing people's rec music right. and resampling it. But it wasn't but they were doing something. it took it took some time to, to, to understand that they were doing something creative there. Right, or at least for the the culture to understand that something creative was going on when, when they were sam when you're sampling something and that sampling yeah, yeah, is something yeah. actually we do all the time, right? You know, because there's only a, like if you look at folk music um, or something like that, like there's this guy, uh, what is his name? Billy Strings, he's like the best bluegrass guitar player in the world, but he started. He was also in a heavy metal band, so so. He's taking this form that's very strict bluegrass music and he's got this guitar and he's got this kind of band and he's doing he's electrifying his guitar and doing bluegrass that's electrified and he's got long hair and he's like a metalhead almost uh, he looks he doesn't whereas the original form was very strict it was Bill Monroe you play like this and you do this and you do this and he's sort of breaking it apart and and making it psychedelic and and uh i think wow i mean and he's so good so it's like this guy is like um this is like somebody who's like jim morrison right uh, for somebody who was brought up in the 60s and 70s and 80s and 90s they, they or, or whoever because but but we don't know who these people are because they haven't become part of the collective psyche yet yeah um, but they're still there. I think they're still there. I think that's, I, I don't think you can kill creativity. You can't kill Shakti. You can't kill that creative, no matter what kind of technologies you're working with. Yeah. You, you can't destroy that. It's just impossible. It just keeps coming. I mean, it's like surging forward, you know, into new forms. And it doesn't matter what the, what the, uh, what, what the, what it's, it's not, the technology is not a threat. It's just a, it can be a hindrance, but yeah i mean it's threat. like it's not it's novelty you know what you say uh, you know it's like mm. the uh you know you you ascend on the on the pyramid of fame and status if you add a new mashup if your mashup is is your is somewhat new and novel mm. you know mm. and that's 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 the thing you know and and i feel again in terms of the fincher movie there was not a lot of novelty going on and so that's that's why I think it's 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 a lesser movie. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, a genre movie. Yeah, just a copy movie. So if this guy might might have been the best bluegrass guitar player in the world, and he was just doing bluegrass, he would just be a sort of museum. He would just be like a museum piece artist, not not a not an actual artist. Yeah, yeah exactly. Because the actual artist has to destroy the form and rebuild it. But the you know the mistake one would make would be not to learn the old forms, like not not to be schooled in in the old forms, in the traditional forms, first. Like I, I always use the example of Cezanne, or you know Cezanne was classically trained and da 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 before he discovered a perspectival, you know painting. Um, he 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 took all of his his original stuff and put it in a barn and set it on fire because but he first he had to learn yeah he had yeah. to learn learn the tradition so i like i was like 
I always think we have to go back to traditions, you know, before we can be novel. Like, uh, rather, we can't just be novel for the sake of novelty. That that doesn't work anymore. That that avant-garde thing doesn't work anymore. Um, what works is go and learn a, a form, a tradition, become the best in the world of that, and then just break it to pieces and create something new out of it. Yeah.